put us in it doesn't put confidence through the club a club that I believe at the minute that where some of the players are still really unsure particularly the ones who are coming to the end of contracts where they stand going forward in the future because everything's up in the air but back to what Bruce has said I mean what's he going to come out with next Is it the religion of the Pope where bears <laughs> crap you know what fantastic worldly insights is Steve Bruce going to come out with next and it, it <sighs> It's it's insulting, Steve. It's insulting, and, and and it's and it's insulting along the lines of telling us that we're making progress when we had two draws in eleven games, is what points outcome. It's it it's as insulting as insulting my football intelligence when he runs around making positions up like two false tens. You know, all of this thing is it's patronising, and it's frustrating, and it's not helping. And and he still has his supporters in certain areas, and I see them now sniping at fans. So we're turning around and saying, "Look, it's a damn good job that stadium's empty because people will be making themselves known." Um, and I think that's a fair comment to make. If that that's that ground had not even fifty thousand, even had forty thousand in it, the atmosphere would be vile. It would be toxic right now because would be putting would be responding to crass comments like that. That are um, ill thought at best and insulting. Yeah. yeah. Ian, what's your take on it? I mean, you know, he, he is the king of, um, you know, the, the king of poor press conferences. There's no doubt about it. I don't think I've ever heard anybody as, as, as crazy in, in press conferences than him. He just, he just says the first thing that comes into his head. He, it, it's almost as if this over 20 years in the game, he's never, he's never had any media training. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it might be that he says the first thing that comes into his head, but there's not much to choose from. You know, it's, yeah. um, it, it's it, you know, it, it, it's, it, his head hasn't got much in there to choose from, is what I'm saying, you know, in, yeah. in, 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 in terms of, uh, you know, what's he going to come up with next? Or oh, the league, league would look different if it was still two points per game, you know, uh, and Fulham's had all these draws and, you know, it's, I, I mean, yeah, come on. You know, we all know what the competition's based upon. You know, it's like stating the bleeding obvious. You know what I mean? It's um, you know, it's gauche. You know, it's awful. You know, it's banal. You know, I mean, oh god, it's frustrating from the perspective of of, of Newcastle fans who've been watching for a long, long time. And look, you know, we all, we all know that some of our our um. Favorite managers, you know, over the years have had the 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 the, the occasion to actually say things which were, um, you know, inappropriate or uh, not quite, you know, like a malapropism or what or whatever. But you know, for goodness sake, he just comes out with a time after time after time, and uh, you know, I actually do wonder about the intellectual capacity of somebody like that in a, in a league where you've got some of the best managers in the world competing against you and you're looking at someone who, with that level of intellectual capacity and that, look I'm not a I'm not a genius for goodness sake but but I really do wonder um, when it comes to actually talking to the press and media because that says so much you know for goodness sake the other Premier League managers must can look at his press conferences and think well, if that's what I'm up against, I can. I think I can probably outsmart this one, Lee. 
Yeah, wow. I mean, Mark Byers has just said there as well. Steve Bruce stated that Fulham had a win in midweek when they actually drew. He says it tells you all they need to know about this inept fraud. He's, I think he he's a details man now. He's obviously a details man. That's right. Uh, you know, it's, uh... it's crazy. It really is. And this guy's in charge of our football club, and we've got to have uh, faith in him to keep us up, which uh, I clearly don't. And and I, and I know a lot of people uh, share the same uh, the same view. Uh, Chippers is uh, talking football here. He says, "Tell me why." Bruce said today, Gale is capable of getting us a goal. Then he shoves him out to the right wing for 65 minutes on Monday. Anyone with common sense would play him through the middle, surely. I mean, this is, it's down to football that, again, Mitch, isn't it? He's, he's not that's doing... a, that, that tells me he's going on the bench the next game. Yeah. He's capable of getting a goal if I throw him on in the last 20 minutes. You might as well yeah. finish that sentence with those words. Yeah. Um, he's, he, you know, it, 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 God, it, I bet he'd be a rubbish poker player. <laughs> you know, it, 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 I'm telling you now, I'd be amazed if Gail starts so given that statement. He's capable of getting work goal. Yeah, he is. He absolutely is. And and you've never used him enough to show with that. And then sticking him out on the right wing for the way he did. It it shows how much we miss Wilson and Wilson's work rate and yeah. his ability to get into those positions. Wilson does that naturally. Gale had to be told to do that, but yeah. Gale's natural game is on the on on the heels of a central defender up front, and he doesn't do that kind of movement. Um, and I think that's a real good comment. If you're going to go three four three three again, we're just playing into their hands. We've got to do something that fits the players we've got at our disposal, and how they can be utilised. And if that means returning to a back back five or three with two wing backs, whatever. Um, I think I'd be more comfortable with that, given the fact that I'm not comfortable anymore with Kraft as a right back. So for me, you might as well go to a back three and have Murphy or whoever else plays, you know, a right wing back. Hey, Mr. Hasty. Late, <laughs> Mr. Hasty. Uh, well, um, I tell you what, you're getting as bad as the Newcastle team. You, you, you leave me, Mitch. And Ian walk out ahead, and then you're traipsing behind. Gary Neville's not going to be very happy with this, Steve. Exactly, it's a, it's a five minute walk from the from the gymnasium <laughs> in Chelsea, you know. It's, it's cold out there. Yeah, me gives a chance. Well, I mean, to, be fair, to, to be fair, Steve, we should have waited for you. That's true. Well, I, I was, you know what I, what I, I was chatting to my agent. I was sort of going to see the agent. There was a move, but there's nothing on, so I'm stuck now. <laughs> I can give you a few places, Steve, you can go to, that's for certain. Um, but uh, good, good to have you on. But obviously, we're just talking about, um, yeah, we've already talked about Bruce's press conference, which was another one of uh, those unique press conferences. Um, so we'll come to you next um, on, on the two things that we've, we've spoken about so far. First of all, Bruce's you know, stuff today was was stuff of genius, wasn't it? That um, the team with the most points wins the league. I mean, you know, no, you don't say. Um, but we're also talking, Chippers has also brought up the point about Gale, um, you know, saying that he's capable of getting us a goal. Well, Mitch has just said, um, you know, he feels, well, that means he's probably going to be on the bench and he'll probably bring him on, you know, to, to you know give him a chance to score in the last 10 or 15 minutes. But give us your take on, on you know, on, on the press conference today and on... Uh, and on Dwight Gale's situation. Well, on what Chip has just said there, you know, yeah, he is capable of getting a goal, but to get a goal, he's going to have to play inside the box. There's no no point in having him stuck out on the right wing, uh, taking throw-ins and stuff like that. I mean, it's just, just crazy. I mean, if you wanted to talk about 
talk about that. We could be on for a full two hours about the way that he that he had was set up and, and the, the, the the team that he put out or the manner in which the team performed. Um, but as regards to press conference, he's just becoming more and more sort of crazy uh, every week now, isn't it? More delusional, more more like, sort of off the wall. Um, it's like, like talking about other people, not talking about themselves, not bigging up his not bigging up his team, bigging up the opposition seems to be just par for the course with him now, um, which I, I quite frankly don't understand. Um, and then goes into this defensive mode. Um, unfortunately, it's the only defensive mode that that he has any inkling about because he has no defensive mode in terms of being able to organise a defence at Newcastle United. Quite frankly, it's just I'm I'm bamboozled by what what's going on in his head. Uh, totally bamboozled. Um, I we, we could like I say we could talk all day about about the the, the teams that he puts out. I, I, I'm, we'll probably we'll probably cover that in, in the next. Sort of, you know, what's left an hour and hour and forty-five. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's one of those situations, Steve, where we, we just we grow accustomed to Steve Bruce coming out with, you know, inane rubbish. So, you know, from <laughs> where well, we do, I mean, from, it's, we're just it's become part of it's become part of his remit now to to say something daft, and you know, the media are now reporting it more and more and more. You know, we Steve. Yeah, you know, I never thought I'd ever hear somebody come out with more rubbish than the stuff that Pardew did towards the end of his reign. He made Pardew ble- look bearable. Oh, I when Pardew was saying the ball was too round and the grass was too long, and the and crowd scored got too early. Yeah, scored too <laughs> early, and the and the yeah. crowd got a bit overexcited. Well, there you go. You know, I never <laughs> thought I'd any hear anybody top that, but we have. And today it got worse for me. That yeah. that tripe that he came out with the day, you know, like I said, you know, it's it's like, hi Steve, what 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 religions the Pope can you give us an absolute shining insight into that, please? Because it's just ridiculous. It is <clears throat> the football side of things, Ian. I mean, you know, the, the Dwight Gale thing, it, it, it's crazy. He got he got his formation wrong. I was speaking to Super Matt and Gibbo about it last night, and um, you know. I said, you know, Bruce has been hit with three bad injuries to three key players. It looks as if he's just he's just trying to throw these people in, you know, throw these people in, and he hasn't really given it any thought, you know. Oh, he's getting his tea. Are you getting the tea order in? <laughs> I'm getting the beer in. Oh, you're getting the beer in. That's it. <laughs> Brilliant. Get your priorities right, lad. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I just think with Dwight Gale, you know, we didn't play him in the right position. Why play him out on the right? Yeah, you've got it. Why, why play him out on the eight? Uh, why play him on the right, Ian? Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> um, your guess is as good as mine. I mean, maybe he thinks he's the best cross of the ball for the for Dwight Gale to get it in the middle. I, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, it's. I mean, I, I, I just it's it's inexplicable. What 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 do you do? What, what do you say? It, you know, you just cut. You can't understand it. I mean, you, we went to Chelsea the other night and it was a regulation win from their perspective. It was a regulation win. You know, they didn't they really have to break sweat. No, no, I wouldn't have thought. Like, uh, but, but I'm glad that they didn't exert themselves in the second half, you know, because we could have been punished badly, you know. And, um, and, and I'm afraid to say that uh, it, it just seems to me that it's acceptable from the manager's perspective. And 
and it just shows you how thin our squad um, actually is. Uh, it's 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 just awful. It's what, awful. what I can't understand, guys, is when you when you're going to Chelsea, you're not doing your homework on the opposition, and it's become blatantly obvious that that Bruce and his and his backroom staff never do uh, anything in terms of looking at the opposition and work, working out how they're going to line up and how they're going to perform and what their tactics are going to be. And, and even analysing the point of understanding what the opposition sees in you, where they, where they see their weaknesses, your weaknesses. I mean, but, it was obvious that the weaknesses from the first five minutes, it was obvious to anyone watching that game who, who's got anything to do with black and white that, that Kraft was going to be their target. You know, that they were going to play Werner the way that he did, which was just going to put pressure on a, on a kid who, quite frankly, cannot defend, um, has no idea as a fullback. I just don't understand how you can be a fullback that can can probably spend the entire game just standing off your man and giving him 5, 10, 15 yards start on you. To me, a fullback, if, if the ball's played out the likes of Werner or... or or somebody like that, then the first thing that the fullback should be there, ready to hit them as soon as the ball. But instead, if you back off and you give them 15, 20 yards space, that gives them the time to compose himself. You're then coming towards them, and you've got only one option because he's going to knock the ball past you and run at you. So you're then going to have to not only try and tackle them or try and block them, but you're also going to have to backtrack with them. And you're doing all of that. And and this is the fundamentals of being a being a fullback. I never played fullback in my life, but I know how I know how what a fullback's role should be, and I know what a fullback should be doing. And then when it comes to the point where the guy's going to put the cross in, you know that that's where you're expecting him to at least have the cover from your midfielder. So when your fullback goes out and he does manage to beat the fullback, that the, the winger does or the wide man, that then your midfielder's there is is the second second role, the second point of contact, if you like, but. The, the way that we lined up, and I, I don't know whether it's whether he decided to play so narrow, and we can get onto Lascelles later on if we want to, and I'm sure we will in terms of what that narrowness does for it. But the play so narrow, and then to have Gale up front and pushing him and getting him to pull out wide. Gale, Gale is not a, a Wilson. Gale is not a striker, a striker who can 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 drag a defender anyway. Rudiger just sat there and went, you know what, if Gale's going to go right, I'm just going to stand here and I'm just going to pass him on and just pass him on to the fullback. I'll pass him on to, to, to whoever was playing right because that's because I know that if he goes out there, I can then just concentrate on my game and whoever I think is going to come forward into, the, into that slot that he's trying to, the space he's trying to make. Newcastle, the way we defend, you can guarantee that if the opposition striker was doing that to us, then both Clark and Lascelles would have gone with him. Yeah. Would have gone three wide. Yeah. That, I mean, that's simple, yeah. basic organisation. And Steve Bruce spent what fifteen years at Man United. Was 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 we were told he was the best central defender that never gained an England cap. England. Yeah. Beginning to run, I'm beginning to realise why. I'm beginning to doubt what was said all the way through the eighties and early nineties about him. Yeah. Because quite frankly, we're seeing none of it. He cannot. Co he cannot coach a defence. There was there was a there it. was a time in the eighties nineties where where Bruce and Pallister. Everybody said, "Why aren't they the England centre back pairing as well?" Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Pallister was in there time and again, and Bruce never. And maybe we are seeing seeing the result of that. The the backing off thing, Steve. We've done that all season. 
we'll back off, we'll back off, we'll back off, we'll concede ground, concede ground, and then make a challenge around about the edge of the area and yeah. then put ourselves into trouble with a free kick. Yeah. You know, I'd rather rather the challenge went in early, give the free kick another 20 yards down the pitch. It's ridiculous yeah. the way we defend, defend at times. And the other thing that come out of that game was that the, the Chelsea manager was able to bring in a keeper or cocky or confident enough to bring in a keeper who's been in poor form with no confidence, a centre-back who's looked fallible, and another two players who needed game time. And he did it without even thinking about it and they won at the canter. Yeah. And a striker and, who and, hadn't scored in a hundred and odd days. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, crazy, isn't it? And, 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 he, and he knew what he was doing with that team selection because that's how much, how much, or how little respect he had for whatever team we had out and whatever our manager was going to do with that team. And he felt confident enough to do that. And that is shame on us, not on him. Yeah. And if you're going to play Dwight Gale and you're going to have him to drift wide onto the right-hand side to make space, then at least have the two central midfielders or one of your so-called exciting midfielders, as in San Maximum or Almiron, to to come in and, and take up that available space that you're creating. There wasn't even that. They didn't even try and come into space. Rudiger just had a, like a field day with it, you know. Just like you know, he could have had one of those cigars during that game, Mitch. Quite frankly, in fact, he probably did because right. he just, there was nothing else for him to well, do in a defensive he, formation. Well, he had Bruce come out with how it was the second half was encouraging, mate. The game was already lost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's, right. it, what's what's encouraging about that? There's nothing encouraging about not conceding any more goals in a game that you've already lost. Yeah, and, and we it, were told, and what, what we're also told during the press conference, or that's come out of the press conference from, from various journalists, is that words were said at half-time. And that, I bloody that, hope they were. Our captain stepped in and words were said and harsh words have been spoken. Where's he been all some harsh words. Where's he been all season? Why why didn't we have the harsh words in October? Why weren't we getting the harsh words in December? Why are we now waiting until mid-February before they're having harsh words? And if the truth be known, the reason they're having harsh words and the reason some of them have got their heads down is because the takeover hasn't happened and they're all coming up the end of contact. They're all panicking. They're all panicking. They're all thinking there's not going to be a place for them. They want the takeover to happen, but they're not doing anything performance-wise that justifies the takeover to be happening. And and if anyone's selling us down the river, it's the players on in that squad and the management, as well as Mike Ashley, who's selling the fans down the river. Yeah, uh, we've got breaking, new, got breaking news uh, Steve from Steve Bruce here. And, uh, <laughs> it comes courtesy. Um, it comes courtesy. <laughs> it does come courtesy of Chris Smart. Um, he says, I heard the other day, if you win a final... You win the tournament. Is that right? Apparently. Wow. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, Chris. And uh, that photograph came courtesy of uh, Tom, Tom Lynch. <laughs> Gotta be in it to win it, though. <laughs> we have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We're never in it uh, long enough to win it. That's the problem. Um, Sorry, what's, 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 a, what's a cup tournament? Sorry. What, what's... <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's talk about Lascelles. Hasty brought it up, Mitch. Um Lascelles, I mean, yeah, okay. He's he's had a rant and rave in the dressing room. Um, one, forgive us for being cynical and thinking that that's his agent saying you need some decent PR here. Um, you know, make make it sound as if you've rattled the cages like you did years ago. Um, but 
on the pitch, on the pitch, he's not doing it. Um, there's been plenty talk on social media this week that um, you know maybe it's time to you know to maybe you know get shot of him or, or or take the captaincy off him at the very least. I mean, for me, I, I just think it's the captaincy. I don't, I, I don't think he's a very good captain. I think we can get away with playing him. Uh, we don't, we don't have much option at the minute with injuries. I, I think, but... I, I think with injuries and stuff like that as well. Um, he was one that was confirmed with having COVID, and yeah. is one that's that's been confirmed as having had long-term effects of COVID. And I've been talking to, talking to patients of mine this week about who've all had COVID and the, the number of them who are genuinely still struggling. And, you know, and these are these aren't, aren't professional footballers; these are just people on the street. You know, who seven months down the line are still. Um, knackered when they when they walk up the stairs, who still can't do what they used to do previously. Um, I think he's lost weight. I think he's lost bulk. And to be fair, I don't think that'll harm him because um, I sometimes think he was overbuilt as a footballer, and maybe he's could have done with losing a little bit of size if it was going to give him a bit of pace. Um, but it just they brought him. In my opinion, they brought him back too soon. That game, they brought him back, and he was blown out of his ass after twenty minutes. He was absolutely knackered. Far too quick, uh, but maybe that was all we had. We've got Fernandez coming back, we're not quick enough. And again, another one who's had COVID. You don't know where he's going to be in two, three, four weeks. He may we may get two games out of him, and then he may be out again for another two weeks. Um, is Lascelles trying to play through that? Because I think as an individual, he's he, he's never I've never been upset with him as captain because he has had the gumption to go to older players and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Um, I, the dynamic in the dressing room seems to be and has been for the last year a problem. Um, and, and and if the dynamic in the dressing room is a problem, part of that problem has to be the captain too. Yeah. Um, now, is it time to look at other options as captain? But who do I have? Uh, because frankly, I, I, it sticks in my core when I see Shelby wearing the captain's armband. Um Dubravka um, could be a choice, but I'm not one for putting a, a keeper as a cap. <laughs> so where do you turn next? You know, yeah. it, it possibly. Hmm. You know, if if you want a, a true professional as a captain, I would say he is. Bearing in mind, he wanted to be back down south and still kept playing, and yeah. still then and now we're signing an extension to a contract. Um, if you want a true professional as a, as a captain, you couldn't look further than Hayden for me. Um, I, I, I don't know whether certain things have gone on in the dressing room that has created little factions amongst the amongst the players, and that needs to be sorted out. And again, I don't think we've got a manager who would do that. I think he'd have trouble choosing what he wanted from the chip, to be fair. Um, Everything. And, and, again, and again, I hate... <laughs> I hate this so I hate the fact that we're sitting having a go, but it's in front of our eyes where the problems are. And we're not stupid. We can see where the problems are. And is Lascelles part of the problem or is he part of the solution? I would like to hope, really hope, that Jamal Lascelles is part of the solution. Okay. Steve, you wanted to talk about Lascelles. Uh, what's your take on uh, the captain? Yeah, I, I I agree with Mitch entirely in 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 that question. Is he part of the problem or is he part of the solution? The problem is that we don't have anyone else. We've got we've got injury problems 
um, that have that have meant, I suppose, that he's had to come back too early. I wouldn't have necessarily played him against Chelsea if I was perfectly honest. If, I, if it was my choice, I would have said it's too early for him to come back. Um, I would have, I, I wouldn't have, wouldn't have brought him in. I was surprised to, to hear that he was part of the squad. Um, I don't think he's fit. I don't think that his head's in the right place, and I don't think his performances actually justify a place in the team. To be quite honest. Um, the the whole aspect of being a captain is to be a leader, and and to be perfectly honest, in the in the last season and a bit, he hasn't been that leader on the pitch that we saw in 2016, 2017, 2018. He hasn't been that leader. There's been something about the lad that hasn't shown the leadership qualities. His game has gone back. I mean, it's not that long ago that they were talking about him being ready for, you know, being picked for England and he should be on South, Gareth Southgate's um, radar and stuff like that. I mean, that didn't last very long. Um, but the lad just just does not give me the confidence, especially with a young lad like Lewis playing as a fullback and the, the way that we've had a chop and change in the central defence and the issues that we've had at right back. I would have ex I would have hoped that a captain could galvanise and could talk, perhaps talk Kraft through a game, if that's what Kraft needs. Talk Lewis through a game, if that's what he needs. Talk him through training. Talk him through uh, the tactics that the team's employing. And and together with the manager and the rest of the coaching team, being part of that setup that actually helps. Because at the end of the day, when, when they go out for that 90 minutes, he's the man that's supposed to galvanise that team together. He's the man who, whose whole persona and attitude should be passed on to the to the rest of the team because he's that he's that he's risen, he's above them. He's Aye. he's not level Aye. with them. He's above them. He's he's the, he's the one whose chest supposed to be out there, geeing them on. I've never seen him g on at Newcastle team and, for and, a good season and a half, to be quite frank. And you know what, Steve, as well, with a manager who was a former Man United captain yeah. and the so-called best. Centre half who never played for England. Shouldn't our centre half captain be blossoming under that? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. He managed to blossom while playing for a guy whose career was over at twenty-four, and, and because of injury, who was never a defender. It was a midfield. Because he, but because he was being directed constantly yes. from the touchline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, that's, and that's that the difference. That's and then there's five years between games, mid mid game, that 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 squad was then taken aside and they worked solidly <laughs> on formation tactics, the way that they wanted them to play, and not just the way that one individual wanted to play, but the way they slotted into a back four, what they did when something happened, what, and then the midfield would work in exactly the same way. We've seen it. We were there. We've seen that the way it goes on. I'm not seeing any of that. Or I'm not witnessing any outcome that gives me the confidence to think that that's what's going on at Newcastle at the moment. It's it's almost, and, and, I, and I hate to say it, but it's almost as though it's a Sunday league team that don't meet until Sunday and then they turn, and they turn up. And then it's the case of, well, you know, who... Who was out clubbing last night and didn't quite make it? You know, who, who wasn't at? And I, I mean, Steve, you know, you managed this under. I used to pick the lads who'd been clubbing, to be honest. Well, <laughs> yes, because they were still awake. Yeah. 
<laughs> I remember, I remember with, with me, me, me and my pals and the teams that we played for. And I remember once being, we, we always used to meet at the centre, at the uh, the fire station. Used to, had to be at the fire station for about quarter past nine. And, you, and you, that's where you were. And that's when the lads with cars would arrive and they would take you to wherever we were playing, whether we were playing in Kenton or Winlayton or wherever it happened to be. And I remember one particular Sunday turning up and seeing this this white uh, BMW and he just kept doing laps of the of the, of the fire station. He kept going around, coming back down Wurzick Street and round again. And it wasn't until one of the lads spotted him as he hung himself out the window for about the 20th time, but it was Mickey Quinn. <laughs> Brilliant. It G'd up, though. It got with G'd up. They thought that Mickey Quinn was standing on the lash and he was driving around and with his pals and he's hanging out hanging out the side of the window. But you know what I mean? It's like what I'm getting at is that you pick the, the lads the, the lads on a Sunday. It, 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 it appears that we, we seem to have almost a Sunday league mentality. The way that they walked out and their, their excuses that they'd had a walk for three minutes from the gymnasium or from the health club where you're supposed to be getting changed. I mean, what? That's what's that all about? Where's the leadership there? Why? You know, what did that well, same say? Before, same yeah, before, Steve. That? You just stop the stop them all at the bloody door until the door does catch up. Yeah. It's not hard, is it? Yeah. And we wonder it's why not rocket science. Standing there, going like this to the to the to the fourth official and why their players are standing around in the freezing cold going, what's going on? And then we come strolling out and then we're, we're led to believe that that that's because there's been words said in the change room. I tell you what, the body language didn't give you any impression that words had been said in the dressing room. If I'm, if I'm going to be perfectly frank, it sounds like the sort of excuse that you would come out with when you're scrambling around looking for excuses and you come out with something that makes it appear that something else is going on and that, we're, you know... Somebody said to me, it's, "Oh well, the performances in the performance in the second half was was far better." But Ian summed it up five minutes ago when he said, "Because we were beaten by then, they were they were in total one hundred percent control for God's sake." And now our manager still standing there going, "Thought we did well in the second half. We got beat two out, mate. We're two out down at the start of the second half." It was I. I, I, we, we, I mean, you know, did we get a point for for playing nil nil in the second half? Like, no, we didn't. No, you know, that doesn't work that way. I'm afraid. Like, yeah, there's there's, there's, no, there's no there's no column on the Premier League table that says tried hard. Yeah, <laughs> extra point. Yeah. <laughs> What's your take I, on Lascelles? What's your take on Lascelles? Um. I think he's an adequate player. I don't think he's a leader. I, you know, I've got no against the lad, but the trouble is he's got the captain's armband, and I'm, I'm afraid to say um, I, I don't think that in the position that we're in, given the fact that we're really managerless, that you, that you, you need somebody with a, a bit of gale and who's going to lead by um, lead, lead by experience, and but also by. Uh, uh, by by practice, you know, it's someone who's, who's going to actually show the way how to play on the pitch. And and you know, somebody said in the in the in the in the comments earlier on, Hayden. And I think I think I you know Neil, I think Hayden w- would probably be someone who would lead from the front. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I, look, Agreed. You know, totally. I, I know that the captaincy in cricket can often have a big impact on on players. And you know, in terms of that form and that, and, and possibly that's something that's happened to Lascelles. 
but I think it's been going on too long. And I think, therefore, a, a change of captaincy um, and, and possibly using Hayden, um, you know, leading by example, uh, would, would 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 be uh, a positive move at the moment. But look, it, you know, that's nothing against Lascelles as an individual. I just don't think. I think he's trying his best, uh, but we need something better than that in the position that we're in. You know, because let's not forget, by the way, you only get three points for every game if you win, and you get no points if you don't win. And you know the games, the, the game and, and and the season decided by how many points you get over the games that you play. And by the way, you know you play games home and away. You know, <laughs> do you? Do I you? didn't know that. God, we're, learn, we're learning everything today on this uh, on it's this show. Revelation. We would have been lost without Steve Bruce coming to Newcastle United. I've got to be honest. Like, honestly, all these revelations tonight—they're absolutely uh, crazy. Um, let's let's talk takeover. Yay. Um. <laughs> George Colgan's written an article. Who's read it? Because I certainly haven't had time to read it. Um, has anyone read it? Steve? I haven't yet, no. I didn't read it. I read the headline. Oh, read what was the headline? Yeah, well, well, what is it? Because people are asking me what I think about it, and I've got no idea what he's done. Um, I've been getting me windows and doors done by Keith Trainer. Um, good, good guy. <laughs> Anybody wants the windows and doors done? Get, get in touch with Keith Trainer. I'll be getting on to uh, all the relevant Facebook pages and uh, and that and giving him a, a, a brilliant recommendation. But thanks, you know, Keith. Great job. Well, it's just it's all it's because I'm watching the I'm watching the match in the house. I'm smashing doors and windows every week, so I've had to get Keith round to fix them. Yeah, Stevie, I, I need some work done in my kitchen. Do you know anybody? Because I've been trying for ages, and anybody will come and do some work with my kitchen. Whereas you know, it's hopeless. Well, we'll have to get somebody, I'm sure. But I, I to, to be to be honest, it's uh, it's just it's, I'm just glad it wasn't last week when all the snow was out and about. Um, it, yeah, it's been a bit warmer getting them done this week. But he's done a cracking job. But yeah, I mean, go on. What was what was, yeah. what was the tone of the article? I read the byline, which basically was implying that um, that if if we got relegated, that the uh, people who are interested in buying the Castanated would probably still be interested. Mm. But the price would be uh, uh, greatly reduced, and I just thought, well, where's that come from? Yeah. You know, what, what, what's what's that all about? I mean, um, the, the obvious, the obvious, the obvious thing is, well, do you honestly think Mike Ashley is going to sell at a reduced price simply because we've been relegated? I, I, I don't think he would. I think Mike Ashley would just go, well, you know what, that deal's off now. Um, unless he was so desperate, so desperate to get rid of her, in which case he, he could have got rid of her a, a month, two years ago to any Tom, Dick or Harry who come in with a £200 million, £250 million bid. And if you're talking about relegation, you're talking about, I, I sat in, in my own little head after I, after I saw the byline, I thought, right, well, so at a reduced price, so straight away you can right. scrape off £50, £60 million for COVID. Right, and then you can scrape yep. off a ninety million pound for the TV revenue, if not more, that would be gone. So straight away you're in the you're in hundred and fifty million pounds from a from mate, mate, that's, that by by my estimate, just five pack of maths from what we know about the club and what we know about other 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 deals that have been bounded around. 150 million is the most you'll get for Newcastle United as a championship club. Yeah. Simple as that. That's the if most that. you'll get. If that. Yeah. With with a, with a squad of players who are 
now um, relegated most of them for, for the second time in, what, three years. Yep. And half, half of them are out of contract. And yeah, got, I think no is it 12 we've got out of contract soon or yeah, something like that? No any of those could get you back into the Premier League at the first protocol, at the first I, time of asking. I mean, it's not even though he could sell the ground for housing because he's only, he's only got the leasehold. You know what I mean? You know, it's 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 not like you know one of them clubs in the lower leagues where they, where they buy the ground because I think it's a, a decent housing site. You know, like Roker Port was. You know what I mean? Um, you know, it's um, it, it, it's 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 just not like that. I mean, honestly, do, do you, the, the the assets. What are the assets of the club? It, you know what the assets. Joe Linden. It's the no, that's the fans. The fans. It's, the, it's fans. the fan base. Yep. That's the asset of the club. The you know? Yeah, it's position in the city. What it can yeah. bring to the city and the fans that go week in, week out supporting them. And quite frankly, the, the owners, the people, anyone who's interested, has to remember that there was ten thousand tickets that he had to give away last season. Yeah. All, yeah. all, all around me, me dad and me brother. To be honest, like uh, it was dead quiet in the first part of the season, and then the second part of the season, just before lockdown, um, yeah. we couldn't get moved for all these freebies. Um, yeah. Ridiculous. I've had this conversation with people um, over the last couple of weeks, and you know, if and when we ever get back to St James's Park, depending on who the owner is and who the manager is, depends on how many people go. I mean, financially, yeah. some people won't be able to afford to go back because they'll, they'll have been unemployed and um, you know, whatever. They'll, they'll have to cut their cloth accordingly. But it's a big, big worry if the takeover doesn't go through. Um, it, it, it is a big worry. I mean, I posted this. Yesterday, because it's it's how I feel, you know. I mean, Nick Demarco posts pictures of bread and gets in, uh, you know, inundated. Well, I posted that, and people say I was being mischievous, but that's how I feel. That is how I feel about the takeover. I feel like it's gone stale. I feel as if we're we're sitting around waiting for, you know, the inevitable news to say that it's collapsed. That's how I feel. Um, I haven't had any indication that that's what's happening, but that's how I feel, lads. You know what I mean? I feel as if. I, I just feel sick of the whole thing. Um, You're a fo- big fan of Lieutenant Pigeon, aren't you? Mouldy old door. There we go, mouldy old door. But it's you know, but you know what, Ian? It, it it's 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 we're all. I don't even think it's takeover fatigue anymore. I, I think it's just the fact that the football's crap. The takeover's not gone through. We're sitting in the same position as we were 12 months ago on this show, talking about the takeover. Um, Amanda Stavely's Amanda Stavely's court case is coming to its conclusion. We'll hear either way how she's done with that, which will be great news for her if she's won it. Um, you know, but that doesn't affect the takeover. People are going yeah. on. Will that affect the takeover? People are asking. You know, people are asking. Um, you know. The WTO meeting is it important in March? Well, no, I don't think it is because no. it simply comes down to one thing and one thing only. It comes down to whether the Premier League are going to allow PIF and the Saudi state to, to essentially take over a football Steve, club. And as far as we know, they're not. You know what I mean? It, it's even more complicated than that. Though we've got stuff going on in this region at the minute, which is um, can be relevant, but it's it, they're not doing it for the Castle takeover. They're doing it for the sake of the region as a whole, um, and it'll happen in its own time. It feels like there's everybody knows what needs to be done. To me, talking to people, I've been I've been talking to two two lads who work at Arab News. Uh, you can probably work out who they are if you go through Twitter. Um, and and what I've been talking to them about is the situation with being and subscriptions on Saudi cards. Who's blocking what? You, 
Bayern is now freely available across Saudi, 100%. But it only goes through if you don't use a Saudi credit card or debit card to buy it. Um, so the question is, who is blocking that? Is it the Saudi banks or is it Bayern themselves? Because that's significant. That's certainly significant from a piracy point of view. You know? Um, and nobody can give us an answer on that. I've had two lads at Arab News working on that for the last, last three, four weeks, trying to get some clarification on why some of these payments are bouncing and some are going through. Um, and it, 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 it doesn't seem to make sense. And it feels like it's a one big Mexican standoff. And everybody knows what needs to happen. Everybody knows what needs to be done. And nobody wants to make the first move. And, and so that's, that's another layer of complexity in there. Um, with regards to interest after relegation, do you know what? Newcastle United is a championship team, excuse me, potentially at 120 million or something like that. Yes. Probably the biggest value proposition in the entire football league pyramid. Um, so anybody, if they're interested in investing in a team for the future and building, we're an absolute big opportunity. But the big question is, will is Mike Ashley that desperate to get rid of Newcastle United that he'll take the lower offer? And my suggestion would be, no, he's not. Because we know in the last three months they've had another three or four offers. But the offers that are coming in now are way below what's sat on the table with uh, you know PCP, PIF, etc. And Mike Ashley wants that deal. Why? Because it's his last chance to get over three hundred million pounds for the Newcastle United Football Club, and it is his and last that's why chance. It's absolutely his last chance, and that's why he's all in for it. Mike Ashley hasn't suddenly become an altruistic soul that wants to do the best for Newcastle United because he never was and he never will be. What he is is a guy who wants the best deal that lines his pocket and gets Newcastle United off his hands and makes the most profit and walk away. Um, question, and question so the, the guys coming in now. With like um, this De Grossa character who who's been sniffing around for ages, interested in Southampton, and is now using Newcastle United as a as a leverage possibility against Southampton to try and get his deal at his price there. Um, I'm telling you now, the most he'll be offering for Newcastle United is two twenty million, and he's got the money for that, but he doesn't have money for out else. And it'll be leveraged, just like Burnley's been, just like Man United was. It'll be a leveraged buyout that'll see you suffer in the short term. And do you want that? Don't think we really do. Um, th this whole concept of anything but Ashley, be careful what you wish for in some respects. And I'm no Ashley fan. And if anybody wants to sit and accuse us of being that, dear God, I'm quite sure you can find pictures of me at protests going back <laughs> to the whole game and before... And you obviously have never been to a NUSC roadshow with me chairing the bloody thing, dear God. But you know, Neil, Neil, uh, Neil you, and I, you and I might as well take over with some of the, some of those guys. You know what? What we use is the assets of the club. You absolutely. know, to offset what you've paid for it. You know, and then and then you you, and, you say to the banks, lend us this money, and then what we'll do is we'll pay you back a decent rate of interest over a number of years. Yeah. And we'll use the assets of the club and the income from the club in order to 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 um to to to, to, to service that yeah. debt. That's exactly what's happened at Burnley. It's what's happened at a number of other clubs. It's what's happened to a number of clubs in the championship, actually. But frankly, the trouble is in the championship, 
the, the economics don't add up. In the in the in the no. Premiership, you can probably just about make it work, but you're never going to compete because you've got no money to invest. Look at what the the Glazers did with Man United. They had exactly. that stagnant period where they couldn't invest. They bought yeah. Man United with leverage of three levels of interest, right? Yeah. And they've only just now this season paid off the highest level interest amount, and now they can move forward. But of course, they've now been hit with COVID on top of that. That's yeah. why they went mental when they missed out on the Champions League for one season because they put their financial plan back two years. Yeah. And, and just, because they were going ha- to have that high-level interest hanging around their neck. Can I just get this message in as well before I forget? I, I was waiting for this on Instagram, but... Uh... Um, there's been a, another death in the Newcastle United community. Graham Shepherd was 51. Um, uh, the, the woman who sent us this, her partner, Dave, is his brother, apparently died on the 30th of January 2021. Dave had been talking to him on the phone when we played Everton, and the next phone call he got was his brother-in-law to say that he had a massive heart attack and died. Uh, the guys he worked, worked for at an integral time got him a wreath in the shape of a tune top. So just to, just to let everyone know that, um, did you know him, Neil? Was that the lad who used to run the Newcastle United 365 Twitter account? No, it's a different guy. No, no, it's a different, different guy. guy. Somebody, right, okay. somebody, some, somebody who sent us no, a, a not, message on, a lad, on Instagram. Not a lad I knew then, no. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's Graham, Graham Shepard it was. So uh, rest in peace, Graham, and uh, peace, our thoughts Graham. with the family. And, and as you've rightly pointed out, I, another Twitter user, uh, Newcastle365, I, I, I didn't know the person uh, at all, but again, someone else who's passed away. So it's... Uh, it's not been good. One through ill health, and another one through uh, through uh, mental struggles. So again, something which we've talked about on the show many times. But uh, not nice. Hard time for everybody. And um, like we said uh, in you know back in two thousand and twenty, pick up uh, pick up the phone, phone a friend. Um, you know, do it do it each day if you can. Um, you know, just just think of somebody you haven't spoken to for a while and give them a call. You might just be ringing them uh, at the right time. Um, yes, yeah, Steve, this takeover situation is it, it is just dragging on. I mean, I, I, and, and as I say, I think you can understand why I feel like that. You know what I mean? It's, yes. it's something which something which we've you know we've talked about all the time. And look, I, the negativity the negativity on the on the timeline, especially. Twitter is for me. It's died down. I've got to be honest. Since since the documentary was done and since I vented me spleen about it, it you know the negativity. There is still negativity out there, of course. But but you know I'm. I just think you know a lot of people are just you know sick and tired of it. And the football doesn't help, Steve. If the football was positive, then I think we'd all feel a lot better. But I think we're all just feeling the same. You know, we're all feeling uh, dejected and neglected. I think. You know what? You know what's interesting is when you've got. You've got. We've now got people in the media, right? You've got people in Sky, we've got people in BBC, and we've got people in BT who are telling us that some of the players that are putting performances in at the moment are actually doing better because there's no fans in the ground. And I was like, "What? You know, they're playing without pressure." I saw. I've, I've seen. I've seen a number of, of articles, a number of, of suggestions that certain players in the Premier League are playing better because they're not under the pressure that would have been instilled. And I know we've talked about the pressure that would be um, would be there with Newcastle players if if we'd all been in the ground, and the, certainly the pressure that would have been on Steve Bruce if we'd been in the ground. But to hear that professional footballers are actually preferring Steve. 
performing better because there's nobody there watching them. I'm gobsmacked, quite frankly. Steve, Steve, we've had this for years. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Shola. Now, I've got a huge soft spot, soft spot for Shola because, like you, you know, we, we both know the family. <coughs> um, and I find it very hard to be critical of Shola. Um, but how many managers said he was the best player on the training pitch? Time in, time out. Could do anything, could do everything. Great player, proper pro, has got it all. And then stick him in front of 52,000 and sometimes he just couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, so I get it. But equally, there's, a, there's another side to that. When Man U lost at home 6-1 to Tottenham last season, if that had been a full Old Trafford, would they have lost 6-1? Yeah. Nah, nah. Not a chance. Not a chance. There's no way that fan fan base, that, that crowd, would have allowed that to happen because they would have either gotten their own team's backs and brought them up, or they would have actually backed their own team at maybe 2-1 or 3-1 down. But that team, I haven't watched the game, um, they just it, it, it degenerated into something like a training game. Yeah. They just didn't care anymore. And so there are obviously some players who do prefer to have an empty stadium. Mm. The, 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 I, I think there are, Steve, and, and and I think we've seen some of them ourselves. That would yeah. be... How how many players you do you hear are great in training and then they just don't don't cut it? Yeah. I'm, I'm just wondering as well, though, Neil. I'm just wondering, Neil, you know, you know, because of the, because every game now is shown live somewhere, you know, it, it, but prior to this, some games were just like highlights and, you, you know... The, 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 the thing is, now, where the players hide in that sort they of can't. scenario, they can't, they can they? Can't. It's a difference. Yeah, right. it's a difference and, and, and so to say they feel more relieved because there's no players, no nobody in the ground, I think that's that's rubbish because you're right, they can't hide. I tell you what, Alison Matsman managed to hide on the first half on on Monday night, mind. <laughs> I'm not being funny, but he managed to hide, he managed to hide would, for the sixty odd minutes. He, 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 he might not have participated in the game, but he couldn't hide. You know, <laughs> people knew that he wasn't doing it. You know, it's a thing, like yeah. But it, but it, but it, it, he wasn't getting he wasn't getting the booze and jeers of, of anyone down the in the East but, Star, was he? <laughs> when nah. he was when he wasn't performing because. Yeah. Wasn't get, he also isn't getting the lift that he would get from people in the Gallagher and Leesers and East Stand and but, West Stand if he, if he but, was. But Stevie, you, you didn't, you didn't, you didn't t- tend to get the boozer that you stand when you're playing in an away game at Stamford Bridge, mate. No, I, I don't <laughs> want that one. but you get, but you get, you would certainly have got the boost from the lads who were in the corner because his performance was pretty poor. Getting back, getting you talking takeovers. There's there's an interesting little thing happened in the last couple of days that was that was announced today about China and about how the Chinese government has suddenly decided to stick its head above the parapet and advise some of the some of the companies that have been investing uh, overseas that it's time to draw back, guys. It's time to come back in. It's time to time to return. It's time to bring your investment money back to China. It's time to leave the. It's time to leave the Southamptons and the Wolverhampton Wanderers and the other football clubs. And, well, and that, that was the, the guy in Inter Milan, wasn't it, who couldn't find refinancing right. for the debt? Yeah. Right. Sunning at and, and Inter, who, who it looks like Inter could potentially go bust because of. Because of yes. The now, what I'm, what, the, the reason I'm bringing that in is because we, we get told that 
we can't have PIF because they could be influenced by the Saudi government, right? Oh, they could. Oh, no, no. The, the Saudi government could be putting money in, and the Saudi government could be influencing what goes on. But the Premier League have allowed Chinese firms to invest in Premier League football clubs, be it be it West Brom, be it Southampton, be it Wolverhampton Wanderers, or whomever. Aston Villa at one point as well. And now all of a sudden, they've told us there was no issue. Now all of a sudden, the Chinese government's gone, back in, lads, back in, and they're all going, oh, yes, sir, yes, sir. That's pressure. That's... that's, that's wow, yeah, man, what are you talking about? Sorry? Wow, yeah, man, what are you talking about? <laughs> it's, it's like that Chinese restaurant that was up on the, on Twitter during the week, wasn't it, you know? Did, yeah. Did you see that one? Yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I, can't, I didn't see it. No, I didn't. What was it, Waxan or something? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Something uh, like that. I haven't got, I haven't got, I haven't got a copy of it. Yeah, no. uh, you know, are you on tea duty, Ian? No, no I'm, I'm. I see. I, I did my prep earlier, Stevie. So I'm okay for another twenty minutes. I'm already. All, all right. Okay, we've got Ian for an extra twenty minutes. Well, let's let's move uh, let's move things on uh, to uh, one of our regular slots, um, which is. As always, Neil Mitchell spends hours locked in a dark room going through uh, various photographs of uh, people and that, trying to compare them. personal life, Steve. Oh, sorry, Stop mate. It. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when he's not looking at posh watches that he can exchange for other posh watches, that's what he does, and he's pulling people's teeth out um, or making people <laughs> want to pull their own teeth out. Uh, this is what he does. Uh, God and this damn is it, you. You swine, you. <laughs> and this is, this is uh, his oh. offering of this week, which I thought was quite good. There we go. Ah. Lee Charnley and Harry Hill. I've been sent this so many times this week, and it is one that <laughs> always makes me chuckle every time. Uh, but the, the big question is, where is Lee Charnley? Exactly. exactly. Yes. Uh, and the if, big question is, would these two fight, do you think? They might. Maybe one way to sort it out. If they're ever, <laughs> if they're, if they're ever seen in the same room at the same time, we'll, we'll know who's who's won. By the way, if the magpies disappear as 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 the, uh, the, the as, as the pre-match entertainment and were replaced by the badger period. Ah, <laughs> there you go. Very good. Ah, ah, what's happened ah. there? I have been asked. I have been asked. I have been asked, Neil, if you can uh, try and find a look out a lookalike for this guy. Ah, well. Now, where's that, Ian? Yeah, that me. was at the that was that was at the back of Jarrow Marching Rally in 1981, and I think I was 24 years old. I can't. I, you know, I got sent that about four or five weeks ago when you'd appeared on the show. I can't remember who sent us it now, but I kept was it on that? my phone, and I just found it. But it's a cracking photograph, Ian, isn't it? Was that uh, when you were well, member of the was... Human League? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent stuff. Anyway, thanks to uh, whoever it was who thanks to whoever it was who sent us that. Anyway, much appreciated, and uh, we'll be back next week, of course, with Toon Lookalike. I can tell you something, Neil. I wasn't working as a waitress in a cocktail bar when I did that. <laughs> 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 excellent, <laughs> excellent. Um, moving on swiftly, let's talk Dubravka Darlow. Uh, the Chronicle runs a story tonight, Neil, um, saying that Dubravka's not happy 
um, th that he's lost his place. Um, so he shouldn't be. And he can't get back in. Um, lots of people on the timeline this week have suggested that Dubravka should be back in. In fact, the girls were quite vociferous on Monday night, uh, <laughs> saying that um, Dubravka would be, you know, you know, would be more commanding in the area. It would make would would make a decent voice in the back four. So, what's your take? Is is Dubravka due a recall now? Well, we had this discussion. What was it, two weeks ago? That made me position very clear. If he's the number one and he's fit, he should be in the team. And I don't care how well Darlow's done. I don't care how well Darlow's done. If he's number one and he's fit, he's in the side. Simple as that. And you say to Darlow, you've done your job as the backup of the number one. You've actually exceeded our expectations and thank you for that. But when number one's back and he's fit, he goes straight in the team. End. Yeah. And, and great, that's great, what it should great. be. Um, and, and, and again, I don't like criticising my own players. I don't like feeling like I'm being harsh. But there's there's a degree of leadership needed there to, to, to look at the situation and say, who is our number one keeper? And and Bruce has again alluded to this, I think, today as well, talking about bringing Freddie Woodman's name into the mix. Because when he comes back from Swansea, what we're going to do with him? Because, you know, he's an he's a England under 20 keeper. He's won stuff with England under 20s. Um, has, his, has he developed at Swansea? Because I've not seen anything of him, so I don't know. But, and if he has, is he in a position to be our number one keeper? And therefore, what do we do with Dubravka and Darlow? And where are we going to be? Are we going to be in the Premier League? Are we going to be in the Championship? We don't know that yet. Um, but for me, if, if Dubravka is our number one keeper and he is fit, he goes straight into the side, no matter who's been playing and how well they have been playing. That's the rule of a number one. That's the rule of a number two. Unless yeah. we're playing, to use a, use a phrase from American football, when they do this with running backs, sometimes they've got two running backs of equal quality and they call them 1A and 1B. And if we're going to play a 1A and 1B keeper, that's a different matter. But both those keepers should know that it's 1A and 1B and... It's based on, you know, you've got the shirt and you're performing well and you keep it. But if it's a one and a two and the number one's fit, he's in. End. Well, well, Neil, I mean, the thing is, we had a conversation about this a few weeks ago. And, yeah, and, we did. And, and we did. And, and you know, I, I was saying it's time for the manager to make that tough decision to say, look, you know, you've done well, Bonnie Lad, you know, but, and, and, but, but you know, what, what, what number one is back. You know, get get them back in, and I'm afraid to say though, um, it now looks like uh, Bruce is in that position where he can't make a decision, and therefore he's made one. I you guess. know, that's, that's that position. You know, if if you don't make a decision, you've made one. You're left with the status quo with dollars dollars in between the posts. But I'm afraid to say, you know, as 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 much as I think he's done a good job. He isn't as good as Dubravka. End of story from my perspective. Steve, has your has your view on this changed since the last time? Yeah. I think we all I think we all agreed Dubravka should be back in. Um, you know, it's 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 harsh on Dolo who has who has not let us down, but you know, Dubravka's the number one keeper. Yeah, I I'm absolutely one hundred percent. That's why um other than other than during the reign of uh, of Kenny Dalgleish, um Shea Given was number one keeper. And Steve Hart always my two and got spells in his horse. That's why yeah. <laughs> that because the manager made a decision to say, you know what, you're, you're number one keeper. That's it. Um, 
it's that's 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 what that's what happens. Yeah, yeah. I, I said Ken Valgish. I think it was actually uh, Ruth Hullet, wasn't it? But you know what I'm you know where I'm coming from. You've got your number one, your number two, your number two is there to cover for injury, uh, suspension, whatever it happens to be. But from a from a, from a perspective, you bring your number one back in when he's fit. The only time that you've ever had an A and a B that I can recall was with England with Ray Clements and Peter Shilton. Clements where, and Shilton, yes, absolutely. He for a while, and then eventually the manager came in and went, you know what, we can't have this alternation anymore because it's not good for me defence. Yeah. And, and it ended. And, and I think Ray Clements ended up with 68 caps. At one point, they were virtually level-level. Ended up with about yeah. 68, 70 caps, something like that. Maybe it's a little bit more, somebody will tell us. Um, and Peter Shilton went on to 125. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and played till he was forty odd. Yeah, in fact, he played till he was fifty. But he, for England, he was he was forty odd. I think forty one, something like that. But yeah. it's an important position. It's a very very important position, and I think it. it I think it as well from a, a from a managerial perspective, it sets the tone when you when you mm. when you make decisions like that. When a player comes back fit. And it's the tone for the rest of the squad because it tells them, you know what, come back in. As long as I'm, I'm going to get into this team, I'm going to. The manager, there's nothing to stop the manager turning around after Dubravka's had three crap games and going, sorry, son, but you're not doing it. You're not pulling up trees. I'm, 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 I'm reverting back to me number two here. But in terms of what it, the message it sends out, it, it's important as well, you know. And it also it, it keeps players on their toes. It keeps them. It, it it does away. It does away with that myth that well, you know, you own the shirt. You know, it, no, no, it's, it's rubbish. Absolute rubbish. The, the yeah. thing, the thing is, Steve, though. But you know, um, bringing Dubrav Dubravka back is is not the the be all and end all. You know, it, it's 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 an improvement in our position. But unfortunately, you know, I, I think we're in, we're in a situation whereby. Um, we don't want our goalkeeper to be the one that's making the most saves of any keeper in the Premier League. That's what's been happening in recent recent past. Um, in in the first half of this season, uh, Darlow's been the one that's been making the most saves of any keeper in the Premier League. In last season, Dubravka was the one making the most saves of any keeper in the Premier League. And and I've said before on here that tells you that there's an inherent weakness in front of the keeper, allowing all those shots on target that the keeper's got to make a save. And, you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we've actually got two good goalkeepers, you know, of, of the of the calibre that we, that we have. Because I tell you what, we could be in a lot worse position than we are now. But we don't need to be there, man. That's the wrong place to be. It's the yeah. wrong place to be. And you know what, Ian? When you make when you when you're in a situation where your goalkeeper is making saves, it's usually a combination of the fact that your midfield isn't working, so it's allowing people to get into that 25, 30 yards away position to take shots, and it's also a situation where your defence isn't closing down either. So you're yeah. caught in a rock in a hard place, and your goalkeeper suddenly becomes yet not just as he should be the last line of defence, but he's literally the last the line. Defense. Yeah. He, he is the only thing that's saving you. And a good goalkeeper is, is the Manchester City goalkeeper who never makes saves. <laughs> never, yeah. Never, yeah. 
have to make a save. Allison's been caught out the minute because of, of, of the, the, the whole situation at Liverpool with how, how dodgy their defence has become because yeah. they've had injuries in the situation. And now Allison's been caught out. Doesn't necessarily make him a bad goalkeeper, but it's that's that's why the the position's important, but equally as important is how the the, the two lines of four in front of you, or with Newcastle, a line of three or five or seven or nine or whatever it happens to be, because we don't know what formation he actually wants to play, um, how they're performing and they're not performing as a team. And five, five. We talked about we talked about a captain earlier, and if 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 it was down to me, it would be Fernandez that held the captain's arm back. Yeah. It wouldn't it wouldn't be Hayden or anyone else, but I would be it would be Fernandez. If he was fit now again, and, and Mitch mentioned it before, because of because of COVID and because of injuries and because of the way that the, the squad's been managed, whether we call it bad luck or bad coaching, bad management, um, bad squad rotation, whatever, but it doesn't really matter because there's nothing we can do about it. But that's who I would have because at least he he he, he puts in. A shift in the way that I think that a defender should be putting a shift in, um, and you then sort of, it, and it all does. It, it, at the end of the day, it's all coming down to what's happening on the training pitch. What kind of leadership we're getting from the coaches? What kind of leadership we're getting from the manager? And and it, is Jones falling into that trap now? Is is, is now part of the problem as well, or is he? If two three weeks ago he was part of the solution, is he now just is he now just formulated as part of the problem? I'm, I'm, I'm... I just think we, I think the injuries injuries played that part. Losing losing Callum Wilson yeah. was always going to affect us. We all knew that. Look back on the three amigos show uh, from the start of the season uh, up until up until Callum Wilson's injury. What is the one consistent thing we've all said? Us, the people in the chat, everybody who watches the show, any Newcastle fan with half a brain. We need a replacement if Callum Wilson gets it. We need somebody to play alongside yep. Callum Wilson, actually. But we've said it till we're blue in the face. But, we can see point, it. But the Nobody point else. is, Steve. But the point is, Steve. You're talking about Callum Wilson being missing, and the, and you know, honestly, like, we've got Carroll and we've got uh, you know Gail, right? For goodness' sake, the, the the bottom line in in this whole debate is, is if you had Wilson as your striker. And had nobody else, and had some money to buy people. Would you yeah. buy Gail and Carroll? No, you wouldn't. I wouldn't have had no, Carroll exactly. anywhere near the club. I made it quite clear. That's, you know, the Ian, That's the bottom Ian, line, you know. What they did was spend forty million pound on Joel Linton. Yeah, well, whatever they spent on him, but he's he's upset. He's up. He's clearly fell out with Gail in for over whether it's contractual, whatever's happened, it's happened with Gail. Gail's now Gail's now done what professional footballers do. He's gone in the huff. He's not playing for Bruce. He's, he's, that's that's the way it looks to me. Um, I might be completely wrong, of course, but that's my opinion. But it does look as if there's been a, a big a fallout. Player, I'm sorry, I think he's a championship player. I know? agree. I, well, listen, I agree. I agree that he's a, he, he is he is a championship player. He's quite clearly scores goals, but he has yeah, scored. He but but he did score. He was you know when he came back previously, but he was you know he's putting the ball in the back of the net. I would have more faith in Dwight Gale scoring goals than Joe Linton or Andy Carroll in the running if he was played through the middle and he was given that opportunity. But to play him on the right and more or less say, well, you're back in the team, you haven't scored. That's what it felt like to me at the weekend. But uh, well, Steve, again, but Steve you know, honestly, as optimistic as I know that you are, right? You know, how in ten games 
what would be the best outcome you could you could hope for from 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 right deal? I think you may get to, I think you may get two or three goals, but the problem goals. you may get two or three goals, but it could be a couple of match winners. It's more than we're going to get from Andy Carroll and more than we're going to get from Joe Linton. Yeah. That's that's my opinion. You, you know, I know where you're coming from. Gail is a championship player. I I 100% agree. But I do feel that a fully fit a fully fit Dwight Gale has got more chance of scoring played through the middle. Yeah, look, you're, you're very animated there, Stevie Main, by the way. Yeah, 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 I am. It's because I'm cool. So the bloody, we've had no windows and doors in. We've had no windows and doors in all day. I'm trying to keep warm. Um, uh, it's a wonder it's a wonder Steve, I haven't started Steve. putting hats and wigs on and stuff tonight. Who, who, who's, who's doing your windows and doors again? Keith Trainer, great lad. Uh, I'll be putting him on checker trade and giving him a, a good, uh, and, a, a and, good. A... <laughs> and, and does he know anybody that does, does kitchens? We'll, we'll find we'll find that out. Anybody has anybody out there does kitchens? Give you a shout. GV Game says we should give them both forty-five minutes each. That's Debravka and Darlow. So we'll, we'll we'll agree on that. Anyway, I did want to squeeze a big question in uh, before Ian goes because I know Ian will have. Uh, a valuable contribution to this. It does. It's it's like having tinnitus. That last bit. I'm gonna have to get that shortened. Um, Pardon? What exactly? Uh, yeah, it was Kevin Keegan's birthday this week. Seventy years of age. So my big question this week, Mitch, is give us your best memory of Kevin Keegan, either as a player or as a manager. Having my face squashed up against the against the fences when he scored his first goal against the against uh, QPR, put my glasses at forty five degrees, my nose <laughs> like this, and I didn't care. I just didn't care. Um, yeah, that going mental because we, we, the 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 apocryphal tale about the goal being sucked in by the Gallagher end. I, I was the only one who wasn't sucking because I couldn't breathe because I was squished against the fence um, and didn't care. And and that 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 that's my mem- my favorite. Steve, your favorite memory? Um, oh, so many of them, so many of them. Um, can I go? Can I go to a memory as um, a, a, as a manager and just just when we got promoted and when he was in the changing rooms and they poured the water over him, the barrel of water, and he got soaked. And and to me, it it showed it showed everything about the man. I mean, the man was he was great. He was Mister Newcastle in that respect. But the, the, this just the the pent up excitement that we had when we were at Grimsby that night. And, and then wow. Kevin yeah. and, and all of that, that, that for me, the, the running along the touchline, the, 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 the excitement, the hint, the hugging um, Terry Mack and the, the way that the rest of the bench erupted, everything about it. And then when, you know, during the celebration, when he got the water thrown him over him at the end, um, I, I kind of... I could we could be here forever answering answering things like that, you know. But I'll stick with that one. I'll stick with that one. Good stuff. Uh, your memory, Ian. I'm, I'm not going to go for an individual um, time, but the, but the the one thing I would say about Kevin Keegan is he actually cared about the club and about the fans, and he showed that time and time and time again. You know, and I and I just think you know, I, I, I'm, obviously the the individual occasions. Um, you know, I think they, was it was it 
last home game this season when we beat Leicester seven was it seven one? Yeah, it was six nil up at half time. You know, I mean, you know, he gave us he gave us that man. You know, he gave us that. You know, and you know, you you, you couldn't you can't buy them sort of occasions. Um, and and the fact that he cared dramatically about the club. You know, when we got beat 4-3 away at Liverpool, you could just see the exasperation and the hurt, you know, in his face, you know, on you know, and, and his body as well, you know, the you know, the, the crumple zone as it were, you know. You know, it, it, he cared deeply about what the club stood for and about the fans and the way in which he ra- reacted with the fans. And the way in which the fans loved him, he cared deeply about that, and that's what I loved about Kevin Keegan, because to him, Newcastle United really mattered, and he still does as well. Anyone who was I, at Steve's last talking at, at the uh, at the Fed there, Steve, yeah. when I mean, you finished it, you know, ten fifteen, ten thirty, and he was still there at half eleven, Aye. still chatting to people. We'd all had in the queue for autographs just carried on and on. And he stood there and he signed and then he stood up and goes, Is there anybody else? And he walked around the table, is there anybody else? And then, you know, oh, oh well, I wasn't gonna ask you and it, it, nothing, nothing was a problem for him. And to me that showed that showed what Newcastle United meant to Kevin Keegan or means Aye. to Keegan. You know, it, it shows what the fans mean to Kevin Keegan and what 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 we've given him, but more importantly, well, what he's given us, but more importantly, what what we've given him, um, he's part of, he's, you know, we're part of him as much as anything, you know, and and just little things that you see that that you react to, and, and I was sitting there with my pal Tony and going, he's still there. He walked up the stage 25, 30, 40 minutes ago, and he's still there. He hasn't moved, and the queue's getting bigger and bigger, and. And he's going. Surely he's going to walk away now. Again, he's not, is he? He's not. He's no. just. He's just going to stand. He's going to stand, and he's going to stand. And then at the end of it, when he goes, "Is there anybody else?" And, and there was still one or two who hadn't got autographs, who probably just thought, "Well, you know, the lad wants to get away." But he would have been there, you know, for as long as it needed to be, because that's what he was. That's what he is. He's, yeah. he's a gentleman, an absolute gentleman. No, he definitely is. And my, my favourite memory um, of Kevin was was my first memory, really, and it was the 80-84 game against Liverpool. He's after the Zane Kev game, you know, and just, the, again, just the time he spent walking around the pitch saying goodbye to everybody and, do you know what I mean, just 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 seeing him as a, you know, as a player for one last time at Newcastle United. And, uh, you know, the, as you say, there's that many memories you could pick, but just your first memory is always the one you get. And that, that helped me fall in love with Newcastle United, that game, you know. Um, it was the first game that I was taken to as a kid, and um, it's a one that uh, I'll always be thankful for because it gave us the love of uh, of Newcastle United. So uh, yeah, thanks Kevin uh, for all the memories. Um, let's hope after reading the Athletic article last week that uh, you know maybe there are a few more memories yet to be made if the takeover goes through. But uh, get your messages in. Um, anyone anyone wants to share their favourite moments? We've still got about forty minutes left, but uh, that is this week's big question. So I know Ian's got to go, so uh, what we'll do is we'll talk Manchester United now. Uh, so it gives Ian just a, a, a little bit of an opportunity to talk about the forthcoming game. Uh, of course, we play at Old Trafford this Sunday, uh, 7 o'clock kickoff, live on BT Sport. And uh, 
Not a happy hunting ground is the way that I've described it. Uh, team news, of course, Jeff Hendrick returns to the squad following his one-match ban. I knew that would please you, lads. <laughs> Fabian Shaw, Javier Manquillo and Callum Wilson, as we know, are all injured, so aren't available for selection. Uh, Fernandez remains unavailable, but could be fit for consideration when Wolves oh, visit St. James's Park on Saturday a week. Paul Dummett's ongoing hamstring problem may allow him to play some part of the game on Sunday at Old Trafford. Um, of course, Manchester United were in Europa League action last night. They beat Real Sociedad 4-0 in Turin. And uh, Donny van de Beek, Edison Cavani and Scott, uh, Scott McTominay are all doubtful, while Phil Jones and Paul, Bog, uh, Paul Pogba definitely miss out. Paul Pogba? Paul Bogba, yeah. Well, that's it. that's probably the way he's played in recent uh, in recent in recent months. Uh, he seems to have picked up now. He's got a little bit of quality around him. Referee, of course, is Paul Tierney. That's his second game of the season uh, involving us. Uh, the other game was the nil-nil home draw with Liverpool on Boxing Day. And in charge of VAR or not in charge of VAR depends on what they feel like. Because sometimes it appears that they're not watching the screen. Is Stuart Atwell? So uh, a trip to Old Trafford doesn't often bode well, Ian. Uh, so we'll come to you first because I know you need to get off. Um, it tends to be all about getting the odd consolation goal. Two wins we've had in uh, 30 odd years there. One one which I was uh, too young to remember, of course, when we'd just been knocked out of the FA Cup, of course, uh, by those park wearers in Hereford. Uh, we then went to Old Trafford and won. Um, and of course, the uh, one in more recent years that people will probably remember is the Johan Kabai game uh, when he got the winner in those yellow strips. So other than that, uh, it's defeat after defeat after defeat. Not a happy hunting ground. Few draws. Few draws. Few draws. Yeah, a few draws. But yeah. um, how do you see the, how do you see the game going? How do you think we'll set up? Well, as long as um, long as Solskjaer is not in um, and Rob Lee isn't breaking through on goal for a rugby tackle and getting <laughs> Solskjaer getting sent off, uh, I, I, I remember that one. And I also remember, it. I think it was a nil-nil draw where Bellamy and Shearer were playing um, and they defended from the Man United um, penalty area. Uh, and it was a nil-nil draw, but it was a, one of the most engrossing nil-nil draws you've ever seen, you know, from from my perspective, you know, in, in the away end at Man United. So, look, uh, we're, we're not there. We haven't got those sort of players. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid it's something nil again, you know. But that, 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 I hope I'm wrong, but that's something nil. That's what, that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, okay, mate. No problem. As always, Ian, thanks very much for your time. I know you've got to get off and... Uh... Help help do your part of the meal and then go and consume it. But uh, as always, good to have you on, mate, and we'll uh, hopefully see you next week. Here's, here's a poser for you. For, <clears> let, let's have a think, you know, if I'm on in a couple of weeks' time or next week or whenever, right, have a proper think about what's your favourite moment ever as a Newcastle United supporter away from home. Away from home? Oh, well, that's a good away. one. Well, that, that's good. Uh, that's a, there's your poser for next week. We'll get you back on next week, Ian. I'm sure the lads don't mind sharing air time with you, mate. We're gonna have, we're gonna have right to have sure. a conflab and see whether it can be changed to the four amigos. It might have to happen, like. All right, you take care, Ian. Watch what you're doing. Take care. Cheers, Ian. Bye bye. Everybody, take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Yeah. Okay. So, um, great to have great to have him on. Let's talk Man United. The Mitch with you. Um, what what are you expecting this weekend? If you've got Bruno Fernandez in your fantasy league team, make him your captain. He's going to get a hat trick. 
wow. That's it. That's it. <laughs> okay, Steve, what's your take on this were game they, at the were weekend? Were they for the taking and they will? It could be it could be that it could be one of those games, couldn't it? It could be one of those games, though, Steve, where we managed to hold them like El Alamo and then sneak up the other end and score. Never write Newcastle off when their backs are against the walls. <laughs> yeah, me, Steve. I can't believe you said that. You know what? Every time I this this is Newcastle United managed by an ex-Man United. It was bad enough when Middlesbrough were managed by an ex-Man United player who, who managed to get his team to lie down. Back in the day, if you remember, when when they needed three points to, to win the league, um, they, they, these these guys they they don't do any favors for their own club against against their their ex club when they when they when they're steeped in the tradition of 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 the red of Manchester. Quite frankly, I'm I'm, I'm expecting nothing, and I'm 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 just. Daily frustrated and disappointed at, at at the fact that we're once again going to Manchester United. And Manchester United have only won, I think they've only won five home games this season, by the way. You know, they're not pulling up trees at home. And even then, I'm not convinced that we can do anything down there. Um they've even had a they've even had a long trek overseas to play in Europe. Um, and and come away with a with a with with, with a game result that what they got was it four one um, yeah and and we're still looking at it and Bruce will still be going yeah yeah but but you know what they're a good team you know they're a good team they've got some good players they've got Cavani you know they've they've got Rashford they've got Greenwood you know that. This is what he said today. He says, Steve Bruce says Newcastle can go to Old Trafford believing they can win, Steve. Yeah, well, yeah, good good for him. Um, it's, it's, that's positivity. That, that's, that's, the, that's the sort of positivity we want to hear. Let's, let's see where we are on, uh, on Sunday night, you know. The records tell you that we're not going to get anything, don't they? You know? And I know the records are there for to be broken, aren't they? But, but, but our performances don't don't give you any inkling or get any confidence that we can we can go to Old Trafford. It's the same when you go to Arsenal, isn't it? You go to Arsenal and you have all the, you know, oh yeah, this is the worst Arsenal team that we've ever seen. We can turn Arsenal over. We can do this, and then you capitulate. You know, the certain teams where you just never get a result. Man United is one. Arsenal's another. There's certain teams where you where you. You have the Huda one, and Tottenham were one of them, weren't they? You know, you can go to Tottenham and you can get a result, you can get a draw, you can get a win, for some reason. And but Man United is one of those. It's 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 yeah. What? It's not written in the stars, is it, Steve? No, we're going to get anything from there. Certainly not. And I mean, Manny Longstaff, we might get a consolation. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But. Play Sean Longstaff in midfield. Play Matty Longstaff in midfield. Let's see whether they can do something. Let let let's see what the let's see whether whether the shouting of of Lascelles at half time on on Monday night has beat up the squad. Let's see if the, if if these players have got any backbone. If they've got any guts, whether they can. I mean, if this team can go out on Sunday and perform and come back with a result, then you know what it's like. I'll, I'll be absolutely. I'll be over the moon. I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll, 
I'll be asking for stat use for all of them as well because if if but I'll be questioning you know and, and lots of people be questioning why it's why would why we'll manage to do that but there's nothing in the body language there's nothing in that squad nothing that tells me from the bench that they've got a game plan that can that can turn Manchester United over who are sitting what second top of the league um, yeah. And and I don't think they're a very good Man United team either. And I'll, I'll be surprised if they do finish second top. To be perfectly honest, um, but for some reason the rest of the league seems to have given up. There's only Leicester that's 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 wanting to give them a run for their money. You know, um, Liverpool have capitulated. Um, Man City have won the league more than likely. And and for some reason people are willing to give Manchester United the benefit of doubt and allow them to take second place. You know, and and give them Champions League football again. That's it's a farce, Steve. <laughs> yep, it is. It is. Uh, last half hour of the show. A big shout out to our sponsor, Spider VPN, who are sponsoring the uh, Streamyard application this month. Also, a big shout out to QTechShop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle. Also, busy designing our new website, which uh, will be live uh, very, very soon. And uh, have all the t-shirts, etc. on there. And also, uh, last but by no means least, a big shout out to uh, to John from Jab Signature, uh, who uh, sponsor our posters and our flyers and do all the design work as well. If you're a first-time visitor to the channel, please click subscribe by hitting that little uh, box down in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit the like button. It is very important that you do that. And please share the video. Uh, that links to your Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. And... Uh, that just helps us build the community. Uh, don't forget, the uh, Match Day Bucket will be live tomorrow. NUFC fans, foodbank.co.uk. Make your usual Match Day donation to the Food Bank and help them out. Uh, and don't forget as well, we've got uh, a baseball cap, um, which is on my Twitter. So follow me at Steve Rafe. Uh, make a bid on that. I think the current bid was around about £50. It went up last night. Uh, so uh, that'll be drawn on Monday. So not as long for that because we've uh, had to hang fire with uh, various uh, various other things going on. Uh, but yeah, that will be going up. Uh, well, it is up now and it's up for £50 so far. So please get bidding on the baseball cap. Uh, as I say, it's a pinned tweet. Uh, and the Three Amigos big prize giveaway um, sponsored by QTech and the prize donated by QTech. £100 worth of JD Sports Vouchers. You know how it works. You get a, a clue each week. And on the final week, add your clues together. They should give you the answer. Last week's clue was this. Just as a reminder, picture of the Tyne Bridge and the word lawn. So once you have that answer, keep that to yourself. And this is this week's clue. 495 appearances and 31 goals. So that's 495 appearances, 31 goals. That is your second clue uh, to be in it, to win it, and to win £100 worth of JD vouchers uh, sponsored by QTech. Thanks very much to QTech. And uh, just a quick one again, 10.45 in the morning, I will be interviewing the Long Sands and... Uh, video our theme tune uh, Worlds Collide a lot of you have requested that we get the lads on so they will be on tomorrow morning no football chat tomorrow uh, that will be the only one that we have on the channel tomorrow uh, we've got a little surprise next Tuesday uh, we have another ex-player coming to talk football and take your questions uh, so it's Kevin Gallagher uh, will be joining me oh, next magic. 
next Tuesday night after I've had uh, the six till seven with Liam. So uh, yes, uh, Kevin Gallagher's coming on to do a live Q and A next week. Uh, great guy, uh, you know, played a couple of seasons at Newcastle and uh, loves talking about Newcastle. Often picked up by Sky to do uh, a bit of PR nice and pundit, pundit work. Top top guy. So he will be joining us on NUFC matters uh, next week. Uh, so back to our. Uh, Usual selection of uh, points that we like to put on, and this week it's Tweet of the Week. This does take up a lot of Steve Hastie's time, uh, and there's a lot of people. <laughs> a, a lot of people do tend to chip in as well, and I see a few, and uh, we do have to whittle these down. We, we tend to get sent a lot of these, Steve, don't we? We do. You know. I... I like the humorous ones. I like the I like the funny. I know I get I get loads of ones having a having a pop with people. I get you know there's all sorts come in, and it's all good. It's all it's all good banter. But I, I like the humorous ones. I like the I like the sort of you know obviously relevant to Newcastle. There were some great ones that weren't relevant to Newcastle this week that that came through were just relevant to football. But uh, on on this particular one, I think you know the, the most important thing is that the, the tweet's got to be relevant. To, Relevant to, to what's going on, relevant to Newcastle, whether it's historic or, or um, where we are at this particular time. But uh, it does; it keeps it certainly keeps me busy. So here's my first one. All right, uh, Tom C. Tom Seymour. Yeah, he was. Uh, I think one of the biggest myths in English football, but consistently peddled out with little evidence, is that Newcastle fans expect too much and want trophies and European football. No Newcastle fan I ever speak to actually says this. They just don't want constant dross. And I think that, that was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic, Tom. Well done. Um, and and I, you know what? I, I don't think there's any of us that would that would disagree with that one uh, because that's something that fans have been preaching for God knows. This is a great one from, from Henry Winter. Somebody used to tell Newcastle United that they've been drawn into a relegation fight. They don't seem aware. No sense of urgency. Nobody shouting or taking responsibility. So lightweight. NUFC looked almost shy at engaging. That's a press man. That's a that's a, one of the top guys in in me. Top press men. Who's and right Steve, the press yes, guy who who knows a lad called Nick Donaldson out here, who's a yeah. black and white through and through somebody I've known for years. Who's who works out here for the national newspaper, and he's got a huge soft spot for Newcastle in that centre in there. So for him to come up with that, that's significant, massively significant. But you know what, Mitch? That that statement is something that Newcastle United fans have been saying for God knows how long. Yes, you know, absolutely. And, you know, since before Christmas, we've been saying it. It's taken Henry until now to actually come out and say it. I'm sure Henry's been thinking about it for an awful long time. Oh. But we we as football fans have been saying that for at least three months. This is Molly. I love this one. If you're old enough to remember Newcastle pre-Ashley, just know I'm extremely jealous of you. Um, <laughs> Molly. <laughs> Brilliant. And, and, and this comes back to the generations of fans. You know, when we were doing all the road shows, we had the generations, the lads that left when Lee sold Supermac. Yeah. And they've never been back and generation yeah. gone. And, and we have a generation who don't understand. Yes. Who don't 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 see the non Ashley years prior, even even the the shit non Ashley years prior, because some of them were shit. Let's be honest, it wasn't all roses. No, it yeah. wasn't. Um, <laughs> um, but we had a soul. 
and we're soulless. Okay, the next one. This one, this one, obviously not Newcastle United related, but we could. It was the it was the number of goals that got me. I thought it was classic. Uh, we <laughs> the question was, how are we losing <laughs> to a to a Bayer Leverkusen fan asking the club? And the response the club got gave back was, we haven't scored any goals, and our opponents have scored two. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it, that was that was a close contender for the winner. But it uh, was, it was very but, close. But your winner this week was. This one. <laughs> I miss the old Gallagher bogs. I can still smell them. <laughs> and anyone, I mean, anyone who has ever stood in the Gallagher will appreciate this one. Absolutely. Well done, Cryptoon. Brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Well done on that. And that one did do the rounds on a lot of people's WhatsApps. But uh, yeah, good, good show. Good selection as well. Well you, done, You Steve. remember... Remember that that FA Cup game against Man U, and the BBC had a helicopter over the top of the ground, yeah. scanned across the Gallagher end. You can see everybody lined up in the old Gallagher bogs. If you look carefully, you know. brilliant, brilliant stuff. Anyway, that is tweet of the week. Great stuff. Uh, some 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 good reports coming through. <laughs> you still smell the bugs. Uh, Aka says, uh, Mitch, I was in, I was the same. Breathing room, room only in the Gallagher. It looks fantastic. Swing the goal on telly. What a partnership, KK and Verardi. Yeah. Um, happy days. Uh, B Taylor says, uh, KK still loves the club. Spot on, Steve Hasty. Tim Cairns says, uh, KK just gave us optimism. Kirk99 says, Kevin Keegan made Newcastle into the fifth richest club in the world. He was building a future, something that should have lasted for years. Uh, Roger Cook says, KK promotion, 7-1 Leicester, very wet derby, 1-1 sellers. Uh, Mark Henderson says, the actual signing of Keegan as a player was my favourite KK moment. We were in second division, signing the England captain. Yeah, great, great point. Uh, Akers remembers travelling up to Rotherham from Portsmouth and stopping them. KK and Terry Mack ran the show. Um, Alan White says I really can't believe we haven't given Kevin Keegan a statue or a stand for everything he has done for our club it's an actual disgrace uh, Paul Williams says him and Terry Mack playing snooker and felon, felon snooker club yeah the gem uh, back in the day Esquinane says King Kev's best moment when he walked away from the Ashley regime controversial um, Sutty79 says the Keegan and the entertainers era made me a Toon supporter they played exciting football his famous rant about Man U gave me the goosebumps JV Games says Keegan Keegan era was brilliant match of the day as a Newcastle fan was great in those days uh, Paul Gibson also wants to say my old man was a steward for 30 years or something I remember getting sneaked in at 12.30 and hiding in those bogs until the fans started piling in <laughs> Darren Please. just took Darren just talking about the Man United game. He says, Man United put nine past a decent Southampton team. God knows how many they'll put past us. I bet it's six or seven nil score. Maybe the final nil for Bruce. Gary just remembers the Rotherham game being five nil away. Yeah, yeah lots fantastic. of uh, yeah, lots of lovely me- lots of lovely memories. Um, Keegan scored four that game as well, didn't he, I think? Yeah, he did. Aye. Yeah. Yeah, he did, yeah. So I mean it, That it, was it, another it, one where my me, me glasses were like that and I was like this and I was missing his shoe and didn't care. Did Terry Matt score the fifth? Oh, I Might can't remember. Drum. I can't remember. Might I think he yeah. did. I'm not too sure. I, 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 maybe I'm just dreaming it. You know what was great about? I mean, the, the whole of that thing was like. I mean, from the minute he walked through those those doors at at the brewery with the blue star on and the door open, and nobody had a, had a clue really, and just the excitement that, that pervaded and it, it 
the traveling away, the the atmosphere that you had, and you know that eighty two to eighty four season, and somebody put a picture up of, of Main Road um, and the fans on Twitter early doors, and remember that game, they just fine. We, we, we won three one in the end, and just I just remember standing there, and there was just. Every two minutes, lads walking past, going to the toilet or going to the bar and because because you could get a pint. And it just seemed to be everybody that you knew was there. And every time you went to a game, everybody you knew, whether it was lads from work, whether it was lads who you went to school with, whether it was people who drank in the same pub as you, you know, and you were, it was like camaraderie like you'd never known. It was just it was just unbelievable. Um, the excitement, the phone calls would start on a Monday about whether you were going to go on the Saturday you know whose car was going to go down, all that type of thing, because you are really into it. You were, it was, it was something. And Kevin brought that, brought that because of, of you know where the club was, and, and the club was a tip at the time, if you remember. I mean, it was falling to bits. The whole, everything about it, the whole, the yeah. whole infrastructure at the club, um, was was an absolute disaster. But when 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 Kevin came back in '92, well, what was it? It was well '91. And, and saved in in a way saved were from from what would have been like the third division, and then for the next thing you know we're finishing you know a couple of years later we're finishing second in the in the Premier League, you know it was just these are dreams that just don't happen anymore you know and I know people go on about Leicester and about them you know eventually winning the league and that, but for me Keegan's was the whole Keegan's situation was that. The making of Sky TV. It was the making of, of football. It was the making of the Premiership, yeah. Premier League, whatever you want to call it at the time. Um, that because, a jury is that a jury in charge of Sky as well, of course. Vic, it, Wake, yeah, Vic, we, Vic Wakeland was a big Newcastle yeah. fan, but we challenged them, didn't we? We challenged the status quo. We challenged the the big club. We challenged the Man United. We put the you know we put the gauntlet out. Kevin put the gauntlet out uh, to to Sir Alex Ferguson of Alex Ferguson at the time. And, and I don't know about you guys, but that rant, the rant that Keegan had that everybody talks about, that wasn't a rant for me. For me, I stood in front of the telly when my pals going, get in there, Kevin, get in there, go on, you tell them, you tell them. We didn't see it as a rant. It's been it's been created as some sort of like meltdown now, but it wasn't a meltdown at that particular time. It was pure passion, and he was saying what exactly what we yep. felt as fans at the time, and, it, and it's, it's kind of been rewritten. When it comes back to what we want, was what he did. Yes. He allowed us to go toe-to-toe with the great and the good. And every now and again, we'd bloody their nose. Yes. And we'd say, right, we're here. Come on. And and that's all we want. Yeah. Is, is, is the pride and the hope and the ability... Why do we expect to win things? We won nothing of substance since 1969. So you know, we can't expect nout. Yeah, I'm going to ask you a question. I'll ask you a question. Look at that. Look at that. That entertainers team. Look at the look at the team from 92, 93, 95, 97. Look at that team through that period, and then look at what we've got now, and tell me how many of those players. We'll be talking about that time at Newcastle United mm. in the in manner the that they'll do, in the articulate way that Rob Lee, Steve Howie, um, well, Clark, and, uh, 
Darren Peacock, Gavin Peacock can talk, Alan Shearer, and Les can talk about that time with, with still showing the same passion, the same excitement, you know. Yeah, and Steve's had nearly all of them on in the last, last what, seven days, ten days? You know, and, and you hear them talk about it, and you, you hear them eulogise about it. Um, they're all, to a man, loved it here. And we loved them. And yeah. that's that synergy. That's all we want. Yeah. Because let's remind everybody out there, we didn't win out, but we had quite a lot of excursions at the Champions League and we enjoyed it and would like to enjoy it again. And that's not an unreasonable expectation. That's not deluded. That's not... Do, do you know what deluded is? It's to say, oh, well, best centre-back's been injured by Everton's goalkeeper. We want an exemption to actually sign another player outside the transfer window. That's deluded. That's deluded. Yeah. yeah, we'll finish with this one, lads. I like to go in a different direction, you know, especially for the viewers. You know, we sometimes get dragged back into takeover talk and we don't want to do that. Anthony Clennell says, uh, controversial question. Do you think John and Douglas Hall have some blame to take for selling to Ashley? Shepard, I know, had no choice and was against it. So, you know, the mess we'll find ourselves in with the current owner, um, you know, do the Halls have to take some responsibility? Just, I think Sir John regrets it. He does regret it. I've done a talk in. I've done a talk in with him and the Magpie Group, and well, it's his, and big, again, it's, it's his biggest you know, regret. And, and that's something Steve and I have discussed with uh, a certain um, Jordy Canadian, mm-hmm. yeah. and 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 we know that we know he does, and and I think he would you would wind back time and do something different to perhaps still sell, but ensure that certain stop checks were put in place but it went like a like a steam train and once it was off he couldn't stop it yeah um you know the whole Abramovich situation Mitch was was what pushed Sir John into selling the football club of course it did it was the it was the whole Abramovich came in what 2004 took over Chelsea and the first real billionaire to to get involved in football in the manner that he did um, he, he he came along, and before you knew it, I mean, and, and Sir John had the had the you know he he realised that, and he had a legacy that he had to protect. It, 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 you know that we've got to remember. I mean, I know people will slag him off, and people people have got a, an opinion about Sir John and and what he did for for or how it ended. But yeah, the the legacy is that he he dragged that football club um, by the ears almost to 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 save it. Because it was it was falling into a quagmire like you'd never known, um, under under various uh, chairmen and and directors who had no interest in putting any money into a football club. I, I know of I know of one particular individual who was approached at that particular time before Sir John Hall took over Newcastle, who was asked if he was interested in uh, in in become coming onto the board of directors, and he said, "Yeah, I'll be interested." He, he owned a car company. Um, and and the the idea was he'd come on, but at the same time, what he was bringing was that, and this is how desperate they were, and that's interesting photograph because what they were interested in was yeah. the one thing to uh, to help them by giving the giving the football f- uh, players um, club cars, and that's all they were interested in. They, ju- they just wanted to, to someone who could who could 
um, give give players uh, a club car. So he went, yeah, I'm interested in. Um, he then he then had the situation. I was just talking to him on on Wednesday about this. He then had a situation whereby the, these these particular uh, directors turned up outside his house, and they were parked up outside the house and were chatting to him. Um, and he was, well, what are you doing here? And like, oh no, we're just uh, we're just uh, we're just parked here. And he went, all right, and went into his house, and uh, he then uh, he then found out that they were going to the neighbours. They were, and the neighbour happened to be a certain rock star, <laughs> and uh, they went they went to the neighbour's house and said. Uh, then two days later, they came on and said, oh, by the way, we're we're still interested in the deal. Well, by this time, he naturally chatted to the neighbour, and uh, the neighbour had said uh, had told them what they were what they were wanting to do, and uh, basically he had knocked them back, so they'd come to him. Is like a first refusal of their thought, and he told them to get stuffed. And I'm not interested in, in in investing in your football club and giving you the club cars that you're trying to rip us off for. And that was the way that was the mentality. So the club was in the club was in a mess, an absolute mess at that particular time. And they were they were scrambling around for any little bits and pieces that they could have. And so John Hall saved that football club. He saved it from virtually going at, going extinct. The club would never have been the same if John, with the support and, and the, the, the hassle of, of the Magpie group at that particular time, who who forced through the, the changes that were necessary. Um, then we didn't back him, fans. We didn't back him um, when he when he asked for for to, for to dip into our own pockets. And for whatever reason, the the the, the shareholding didn't take place, so he had to then go out. And and I know people will criticise it, and people will say that you know it was it was the wrong thing. But once we became a PLC, that was it. The hands were tied because then the city got involved, and then decisions were being made because you then had two boards: you had the PLC board and you had the football club board, and situations were made for financial reasons. Yeah. All of that you have to take. You have, it, it has to be all looked in context at what happened in Newcastle United at that particular time. Whether whether he was right to sell to Ashley, we could, you know the the problem you, you could say the jury's out on that. But at the time, and I don't know about you guys, but I was very much into the wow. We've now got a football mogul. We've got a guy who's into sport. Yeah. We've got a guy who's selling sports memorabilia, selling sports clothing, whatever it happens to be, and has just taken on and just been just been handed like what over over two billion pounds of assets for himself spend his own cash and he picked that football club up for 134 million all told you would have done it if you if you were in the situation where you had we'd have all would have all seen the opportunity yeah. and sold it to him so we shouldn't forget that you know um, whether, whether hindsight's a wonderful thing you can look back and go was it a good idea yeah uh, in hindsight like you say so John's probably regrets it or he probably wished he'd put caveats in I know Freddie Shepard didn't want to sell, and Freddie tried for a couple of weeks to try and 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 raise that raise the alternative of money, which didn't didn't happen. Um, and in the end, because it was a PLC, once the offer had been made, Ashley's offer had to be then accepted by the shareholders or rejected. And obviously, Freddie couldn't raise the raise the capital to compete. So that was that was where the football, and that's how we ended up with with Ashley. Didn't do his due diligence. Nope. Missed, paid 134, still had 129 million pounds of debt, which we're still sitting with 114 of it now. How are you know? 
Yeah, lots of comments coming in. Tom says, look up Newcastle Disunited. I think I put that on YouTube originally. Somebody else has got it up now. Yep. 1989 BBC documentary about the state of Newcastle at the time. Sir John Hall's battle to take over. Yeah, it's great. I've uh, I've, I've still got that on uh, on my hard drive somewhere. Uh, thanks, Colin. He says, top show, lads. Mitch, I hope you have a speedy recovery and you get over the scene. Lots of messages in uh, for you today. I'm sure you've seen them all yeah, on the screen, Mitch. It, man. Really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Mark Tulip says, uh, I honestly believe we'd be bankrupt by now if the Hall still had it. We're spending behind their, me- uh, behind their means, uh, beyond their means, I think he means. I had to sell half the squad when Daglish came in. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, they couldn't compete with, with Abramovich. That was as simple as that. Uh, John Hall was a good businessman and foresaw uh, what was ahead and knew he couldn't compete. He, he wanted to get out and he got out. But I understand where you're coming from. Money wasn't being spent in the right areas. Um, some would say wasted and um, you know I think the uh, the signing of uh, Mike Lowen essentially pushed everybody over the edge Lee Major says Freddie Fletcher deserves huge credit too yeah unfortunately Freddie passed away a few years ago he was a visionary and turned around the club's finances with regards to shirt sales etc you're 100% right although he, yeah. you know, he lost a bit of credence with some of the um, some of the developments sadly that he decided to make with you know with, with fans with fans tickets and moving people around that was unfortunate for him but yeah he did and he doesn't get the credit he deserves in the club's history uh, B Taylor says brilliant show lads let's hope we'll have something to cheer about soon um, Sutty just uh, refers to this what is a club in any case not the buildings or the directors or the people who are paid to represent it it's not the television contracts the get out clauses the marketing departments or the executive boxes you're right and that of course comes from uh, that man who uh, would have celebrated his uh, 88th birthday um, this week and uh, lots of tributes uh, being paid to Sir Bobby and again uh, we will have uh, Harry De Cosmo on next week uh, he's going to come on and talk about uh, his wonderful new book um, which uh, I'm sure a lot of you will have seen uh, advertised um, you know over over the, the, the social media outlets and, and, and in the news a uh, wonderful wonderful book called Black and White Night House of Bobby Robson made Newcastle United again and uh, he's going to join myself and Liam Kennedy on Tuesday night uh, for about 15 minutes just to chat about the book tell us a little bit uh, about it um, Dave Cook uh, fantastic as ever chaps thank you says Joe Walker uh, Dave Cook says respect Steve H Steve for sticking up for Sir John Hall but he betrayed the fans when he sold to Ashley not a real fan but money talks it was just you know I, you know I, I go back to my interviews you know when managers are sacked when um, you know when the takeover went through and, and actually bought the club um, and you know you say what you feel at the time um, and some of those could be quite embarrassing when you look back on them because you know it seems almost like it's it, it's a re- repetitive situation. But I've got to be honest, I was delighted when Ashley came in, um, and I don't regret saying that because I genuinely was. I thought we were we were losing Shepherd and Hall at the right time. They'd done they'd taken the club as far as they could. Finances finances were obviously uh, um, you know in, in disarray. And they couldn't take the club on. Suddenly, we had a knight in shining armour, Mike Ashley riding into service, an English businessman. When when every other club was getting taken over by you know dubious foreign investors, shall we say? And um, we had a, a knight in shining armour who was you know head of the retail world in England, and we just thought that was fantastic. Well, Two million pounds as well. <laughs> ex- exactly, but unfortunately, we couldn't foresee what was going to happen. And I always point out. The United magazine that used to come out to all season ticket holders. Um, I've still got a copy of it in the loft. Mike Ashley's on the front. It was an eight-page interview that Mike Ashley gave. 
and that one little paragraph that I keep picking out uh, from that magazine where he said, I have bought Newcastle United to promote my sport, my sports brand globally. That was what he said. And, you know, you know, if that had been, I don't know, hanging up as a big sign on one of the stands at St. James's Park, we could never complain with anything he's doing because oh. he's never li- he never lied to us. From the day that he came in, he told us that was the situation. He didn't buy Newcastle to turn it into world beaters, to get it into the Champions League, to win us a trophy. He bought Newcastle United to promote his sports brand globally. That's it. And, you know, that's what he's done. And and Sir John thought that that was coupled with the fact that to, to grow your brand, you would have a successful football club. Little did he realise that it, 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 the, the successful football club meant nothing. It, the brand... And of his, of, it, it, it was it was incidental that it happened to be it happened to be it opened doors with him in 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 various battles that he had but it's it's that sort of you know that's business that's the way it goes at the end of the day and would it would it have been different would he was it was it because he didn't do the due diligence that we got it in the net was it because Keegan walked away after after only a six month spell or whatever that we're getting it in the neck? Would it be that he wanted to sell the Chinese uh, within a matter of days or weeks of, yeah. of wanting to flip the football club? Um, well, come on, Steve. We both we both know it was a flip. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it, and and it, everybody everybody who's who was following it at the time should know that it was going to be a flip because once he found out that it was one hundred and twenty nine million pound. That was outstanding, you know. The fifty-eight million pound mortgage, the thirty million pounds of of overdraft, the twenty-nine million pound that they owed other football clubs for players that they bought, you know. Once all of that was totted up, and, and, and that, I've, I've and, made a massive error here. And that then shaped that stupid transfer policy that we had under Lambayas. Yes. And and all of that is the knock-on effect of everything from there. It, it 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 sort of runs down the line once you understand that. Yeah. Once you understand that. And the Chinese buyers that he had lined up did their due diligence and said, well, what about this mortgage? And what about this? And what about that? You're yeah. offering us this, us this at that, but actually what it's going to cost us is X. Yeah. And, and they and, were like, Wait, bye. And one buyer said to us, he turned around and we said, well, why didn't you kick... Why didn't he remortgage? Why, why did he why did he lash out fifty eight million pound to, to Barclays and pay it up? I know it had fourteen days left, and he had to, he had fourteen days to which to make his move. Well, why didn't he remortgage it? Because he probably could have. Bearing in mind that he had two billion pound, and yeah. he would have had plenty of collateral to cover himself. But he didn't. Yeah. And what did Lamb buyer say to us? He said he didn't want to be in debt to anyone. And that transfer policy that he then employed that carried on all the way through his his tenure until what yeah. eight months, two years ago was two years ago. I we'll buy we'll buy for cash, and we'll sell on the never sell never. on the tick. Given yeah. given, and we turned around and it was the sheer given deal we that we went. put in front of him and said, so "You're going to give sheer given to the to the the richest football club in the country, Man City. You're going to give him." Your top goalkeeper, that, and you're going to give him a on tick. What what are you playing at? And at the same time, you're, you're going to give four million pound for to straight away to West Ham for Kevin Nolan. You're going to you're going to buy players for cash, 
put yourself on tick. And all he saw was that revolving, the fact that the money yeah. would come in over a four-year period because that's the way he yeah. wanted the cash flow of the club. You know? And that, yeah. But that, that was the day for me when we were sat with him that Lambias got it. And that's the reason Lambias was then formed out with the Kinea situation because he got it. He suddenly, something went on. You and I watched that light bulb appear above his head. A man, man who, when we first had a meeting with him, got red-faced and started poking people in the chest. Yes, and there was 15 or 20 lads from, from NUSC I, that, that crashed that meeting at the time. And lasses, yep. And lasses, and told them exactly what was going wrong. And and he and he didn't get it, and it took him it took him a, a long long time to twig on, but yeah. they, they, we had got it straight away, and we were raising those points. We're talking about what? We're talking about two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine here. Easy, yeah. And, and we're yeah. not talking about like you know in recent history, and they were told they were told then, and it still carried on all the way through because that became that model, that became that business model, and. Yeah. You, you go back to Sir John, you know what? He bailed out at a time, an old man. He bailed out at a time. He protected his family. You know what? In comparison to what the Glazers have done at Man City, where they went, the bought Man City, uh, Man United, sorry, the bought Man United loaded all the debt on the football club and then continued to take dividends every quarter or every six months or every year from the football club. And the football club is still three hundred and ninety-five million pound in debt, you know. And and this is the same model that the Americans are going to employ, like we said right at the very beginning of the show, with Burnley. And it's the same model that any Americans going to come in where yeah. they, they will take money out of a football club in that manner. So John didn't take the money out of the football club till he saw that someone else who thought it was going to move on to, to better pastures, better pastures new. That's where he got the money. He didn't take the money out. And yes, we can we can argue with toss about various deals that that were that were supposed to be in place with Shepard and with the family and you know whether that was there was cold storage facilities that had football tops in and all that. We could go into Which there was. history, you know. You know, we all know it. We all know it. We live. We can direct people to the man. How are you? Yeah, exactly. Take it down, Adrian Wood, and show you them. Lads, lads, I didn't want to stop you there. The the, uh, the clock has beaten us uh, tonight, and uh, just uh, uh, well done and, and congratulations on a good career to uh, Johan Kabai. We mentioned him earlier about uh, scoring the winner at, uh, at Manchester United for us. He was a good servant in a, in a difficult period, the Ashley period, for Newcastle don't fans. Uh, but he has retired today, so uh, don't sell Kabai. Give us one of the greatest songs that we've had in recent years, uh, because let's face it, half the players we've had yeah. haven't, been worth, haven't been worth inventing a song about. But uh, yeah, don't sell Kabai, Johan Kabai. Uh, I just don't think you understand. Um, but yeah, good luck to him. Riot. <laughs> good luck to him and whatever he does. And uh, yeah, that's that's all from us. Anything else, lads, before we finish? No, no. It's just uh, I think it's just a case of uh, keep your chin ups, keep your chins up. We're gonna, we, you know, we, we've got we've got some important games to go, and let's just hope that uh, the most important thing is we can keep in this Premier League for God's sake. Don't don't fall into that trap. I think we'd be better off if we went down. Please don't no. fall into that trap. No, just leave leave that Never. to the leave that to the pizza munchers and cheesy chip munchers down the road. Uh, they can keep, That's the example I watch. 
you yeah. can keep your you can keep your second division football and uh, your your uh, your pizza uh, FA Cup. Pizza Cup. Um, that's no good for us. I'll, I'll, I'll a bask- slice of the action. <laughs> exactly. I'll I'll bask I'll bask in winning the Japan Cup in 1982 and the uh, yeah. in the Toto Cup, lads. They're they're real trophies. <laughs> we stop Parker lifting the trophy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, lads. Have a good weekend. I'll good see you both next week. Take care. Good night. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys. Only way you're ever gonna learn your love